ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930 present The Drive. with Paul Swan. Welcome into the Tuesday, February 5th edition. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. Thanks for joining me for this edition of the program. I'm looking forward to it today. We've got Wayne Boxmiller from the Bengals Radio Network. He's going to check in with us here in about 10 minutes. We're going to hear from him, get his thoughts on what he heard today at the introductory press conference of new Bengals head football coach, Zach Taylor. We're going to hear his opening statement in a minute, and then later on we'll hear from Wayne. He'll tell us about the reaction, how people are feeling in Cincinnati right now. I'll tell you what, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm excited. I haven't been this excited in a long time for Cincinnati Bengals football. And, of course, you know me. I have been through it all. I have gone the distance, highs and lows, when it comes to my fandom of Cincinnati Bengals football. So I'm excited today. New direction. We'll see where it goes. I've already predicted in the office that the Bengals will win the Super Bowl next year. Um, that's only because the receptionist is a Patriots fan, and every year she makes that prediction, and she's usually right, so it gets kind of annoying sometimes. So uh, we got Wayne Boxmiller coming up here in the next few minutes. We'll talk to Tim, and then uh, we'll look ahead a little bit later on. Marshall basketball coming up later this week, so we'll get into that and your phone calls as well. But it was announced earlier today, press conference at Paul Brown Stadium, the new head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, Zach Taylor, coming from the L.A. Rams. But, of course, He's got his storied history already. He's been around the block. He's been in football a long time. You know his brother, Press Taylor. He's the quarterback coach at the Philadelphia Eagles. Also, he was on the Marshall roster many years ago. So, a lot of fun connections. And here's uh, Zach's opening statement to the media earlier this afternoon being introduced as the new head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. Well, this is very exciting. Uh, it's a lifelong dream of mine uh, to be a head coach at the highest level and for a franchise like this. Um, I'm grateful for the opportunity. I'm excited to put in some hard work and bring great things to the Cincinnati Bengals franchise. Uh, my wife and I lived here three years ago. We fell in love with this city, and we are thrilled to be back. I grew up in a football family, and I'm excited to join another family that grew up the same way. You know, uh, Paul Brown was a pioneer. Um, and football, and, and I look forward to working hand-in-hand hand with this family. And I'd like to thank Mike Brown and Paul Brown Jr., um, Katie Blackburn. I know Troy Blackburn's not here today, and, and Duke Tobin. From the moment I met them in our first interview, uh, I felt a connection, and I knew that this was going to be the place for me and the franchise for me, and I'm thankful that they felt the same way. And uh, we share the same vision. We've been aligned from the beginning, and I look forward to working hand-in-hand hand with them as we go forward. I'd also like to thank uh, the Rams organization, Stan Kroenke, Les Snead, Kevin Demoff, and most importantly, Sean McVay. You know, he, uh, Sean gave me an opportunity two years ago and was outstanding to me. And everybody knows that he's a great football coach, but um, hopefully everybody knows that he's a rare human as well and an even better person. So uh, I'm glad that I had those two years of that franchise. And um, the assistant coaches there, I formed great relationships with. They have a great staff. Those guys all taught me something. Um, guys I'll be forever indebted to, and the players I was able to coach. You know, I'm appreciative that they let us coach them hard, and that's why they were playing in a championship most recently, and particularly that quarterback room led by Jared Goff and the receiver room two years ago led by uh, Eric Yarber and all those guys. Just great players that made a big impact on me and the way that I'll, I'll coach going forward. 
Um, I'd also like to thank my, my wife, Sarah, and my kids, Brooks and Luke. She's a rock star. You know, this is about her thousandth move, I think, in the last five years, and she handles it better than anybody. Uh, my two boys, they're ready to roll. They're excited as anybody could possibly be. And, and Brooks, I think, is most exciting uh, to play Madden and learn all these new players for the Bengals. That's kind of his deal. Uh, my daughters, uh, like Mr. Brown said, Emma Claire and Millie are upstairs, uh, so they couldn't be too loud. You know, my parents are here, Julie and Sherwood Taylor from Norman, Oklahoma. Uh, they've been my biggest supporting cast throughout my whole life. You know, my dad taught me the game. And uh, my mom, Julie, you know, she's been my biggest fan. And, uh, She's always had a lot of confidence in me, and, and sometimes too much. I remember before my senior year of college, she told me, Zach, I, I know that you're going to win the Heisman Trophy. And I did not even come close, and I, I'm sorry to disappoint you, Mom. Hopefully today I can make up for that uh, by being a head coach in the NFL. But uh, my sister, Quincy, thank you for all your love and support. My sister, Catherine, she's at home right now. Trust me, she'd be entertaining this room if she was here at this moment. Uh, my brother, Press, he's with the Eagles, so he couldn't make it out today. But um, I appreciate him. You know, he's... He's been a big supporter of me. He's somebody I can always go for for advice. Another colleague in this profession, I think highly of him. Um, wish he could be here today, but unfortunately, he's got work to do. Um, I'd also like to thank uh, Mike Sherman, my father-in-law, who, who really got me into coaching. He gave me my first job. He taught me how to coach. Um, he's, he's been a helpful uh, uh, hand for me throughout. Anytime I need advice, even, even as recent as this morning. You know, he's always been there, someone that's there for me and, and someone I could bounce some ideas off of, and I'm appreciative for him. Uh, moving forward, we will establish a culture of high standards and clear communication on and off the field. And we're talking meetings, walkthroughs, practice, everything. These players want to be held to a high standard, and we're going to do that. They're going to be excited to walk in this building every single day. Uh, this staff is going to bring energy. Everyone who affects these players is going to have great presence about them. And we're all going to be on the same page with the, share, with the shared vision. And these players will be fired up to see what's in store for them every single day they walk through these doors. We're going to be a connected team. This business and this sport is all about the people. And we want people that are all pulling on the same rope with the shared vision. And, and like Mr. Brown said, you know, we, we all want to get this thing to the top. And we want to play at the highest level. And we want to bring great things to the city and to this franchise. And we do that by having a connected team and everyone in this building being on the same page and sharing the same vision. And we will accomplish that. Um, I think everybody wants to be a part of something that's bigger than themselves. And when we get the right players and the right coaches and everyone on the same page, which we which you already have and will continue to do, and it's, it's more important that they're helping the people that are to the left and to the right accomplish something bigger than trying to help themselves, then that's when we're going to accomplish all the things that we want to accomplish as an organization. And, and we'll be on that track very quickly. Uh, as far as the coaching staff goes, you know, we're, we're currently assembling it right now, but what we're looking for are great teachers, uh, concise communicators, outside-the-box thinkers, and people who are, are not afraid to deviate from the norm. And so we're in the process of, of organizing a great coaching staff that you guys are going to be very proud of and the players are going to be excited to play for. Um, I know that this will not be easy. There's a lot of hard work involved, but I cannot wait to get started. That's your new head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, Zach Taylor. We're going to take our first break. When we come back, uh, we hope to be joined by one of the voices on the Cincinnati Bengals radio network, Wayne Box Miller, and he'll give us a breakdown of what he heard today and what the temperature of the room is with the hiring of Zach Taylor. All when we continue with this edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.
Now, back to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back to the Tuesday, February 5th edition. Your drive continues on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan, and it's always fun when I get a chance to talk to one of the voices on the Cincinnati Bengals radio network. Wayne Box Miller joins us. And of course, you hear Wayne every Sunday during football season. He gets you right there, ready for kickoff, and then he takes you home afterwards, and he takes care of you as well in between. Pretty much, uh, Wayne, you're the uh, do-it-all guy on that network. <laughs> we, we, we try to be a team, man. It's all about the team. Good talking to you again. I'm excited. I haven't been this excited in years for football. Now, I, I hate a guy losing his job, and I think we all realize that. That you know, Marvin Lewis, the football coach, and Marvin Lewis, the human being. You know, even though yeah, you might think they're one and the same. I mean, it's it's a it's a tough day when you say goodbye to someone who's been there for so long. And I thought we heard that today uh, in the rep- remarks before introducing uh, uh, coach, but. It's it's really exciting. You get a new guy. I haven't felt that kind of energy in a while coming from a, a head coach, the football team. You know, what was your takeaway from all of that today? Well, I've got I've got friends that are coaches in college, and and one of the things they always say is the first thing you have to do is win the press conference. And if that's the case, Zach Taylor not only won the press conference, he blew it away. I thought he was well composed. I thought he was very. Uh, certain in his comments. I thought he was very reassuring about what he wanted to do. And also, you brought up a great point about Marvin. I also thought that Mike Brown was very, uh, very fair in his assessment about not wanting to say anything disparaging about Marvin because, you know, from what Marvin uh, inherited to what Marvin left behind is significant progress and the relationship that he had with Mike Brown. Uh, it still exists. I mean, they're friends. Uh, there's a great relationship there. So I, I just really appreciated how Mike handled that. But uh, Zach Taylor was very affable, uh, very uh, convenient to the media after the press conference. I mean, he literally went from uh, chair to chair to chair to chair to uh, the group of writers to some one-on-ones. I mean, whatever someone needed today credit the Bengals PR staff Emily uh, and PJ for just coordinating everything Pete they all did a great job but Zach Taylor seems to be very comfortable uh, in this new position as the 10th head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals from a, a coaching standpoint from what he wants to do his vision you know how did you feel about what you heard? Yeah, he was checking off all the things I wanted to hear. They're going to be a, an attacking mindset. They're going to have a culture. Players are going to be excited to be there. But listening to that, talking to him, you know, how do you feel about the direction he's going to take this team, or at least he envisions for this team? Well, I think you have to be excited. He made no bones about it that uh, a lot of what worked in L.A. will come here, and the reason is because it worked. Um, you know, it's kind of like you'd be a fool to not bring with you some of the great things you did in one situation to another one if they worked. And, I mean, this team put a lot of points on the board. Uh, they were very wide open. I think when you look at the uh, offensive personnel that the Rams had and compare it to what the Cincinnati Bengals have, you see a lot of the same skill sets. I mean, you got John Ross, a slot speedster. You've got uh, Mixon, who's a Todd Gurley. You've got 
uh, A.J. Green. You got Tyler Boyd who had a breakout year. If Tyler Eifert is healthy, you still have C.J. Uzama if you don't. Uh, you got Giovanni Bernard. I mean, he has a lot of weapons at his disposal offensively to implement a lot of those things. And he said he feels very confident that Andy Dalton can do a lot of those same things when he was at Texas A&M. You know, he scouted Andy Dalton when he was at uh, Tech. So, I mean, not Tech, but uh, uh, TCU. So, you know, he's very familiar with what Andy can do, and he feels confident that Andy can run the offense the way he wants it to. Speaking of Andy, the video was out there yesterday of uh, of Zach meeting Andy, and it seemed like they hit it off right off the bat, and you brought up a lot of those points. Uh, how's uh, how's that make you feel as a quarterback? Because I know there's been speculation, hey, is he going to bring Tannehill? We don't know what he's going to do. He just got the job yesterday. But as a starting quarterback who maybe sometimes is unfairly criticized for what happens on the field, it's got to be exciting for him to have a quarterback-minded co- coach that's going to take over the job. You know, and, and I think there are a couple of things there. One, you're right about that. You're spot on. I think the other thing is when you've known each other since college, I mean, you know, uh, Mike Sherman, Zach's father-in-law was at Texas A&M, as was he. And, again, scouting, uh, he said he watched every snap Andy had in college because they were playing against him. But, you know, you tend to follow guys that you knew uh, from a certain point uh, all the way through life. And so the familiarity for both of them is there. I think, as you said, Andy Dalton's got to be excited to think, okay, uh, do we open up this offense a little bit more, uh, get some things that I can do that I've been wanting to do. Um, Zach did say that he likes a lot of input. He likes feedback. He likes players, coaches to, you know, chime in. You know, if there's something you want to do or you think something's going to work, you know, let's do this consensusly. And he talked about, uh, two words uh, repeatedly. One was communication and the other was culture. So if his culture is uh, about inclusion and allowing everyone to have some space on the offense, you know, maybe Andy has some things that he just wasn't able to um, put on the wish list because of the type of offense that they ran. Wayne Box Miller is joining us from the Cincinnati Bengals radio network. And yesterday it was official and today we got the press conference to introduce Zach Taylor to the media and the public as the new head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. And I thought I saw something earlier. Correct me if I'm wrong. He was talking to uh, some of the media afterwards, and he said he's going to be calling all the plays on the offensive side of the ball. Is that correct? Yes, that's what he said. He'll be calling the plays. And I think when you look at the trend in the NFL, you look at Sean McVay, who, again, he does what's under here of recent. And you think about some of the things that uh, they do, uh, it's probably um, comfortable for him having watched McVay do it and then to come here and now have a chance to do it himself. And, you know, being a former quarterback, you know, his ability to comprehend a playbook was a prerequisite to play, you know, at Nebraska and become an MVP in the uh, Big Eight back then. Wayne Boxmiller, our guest, and of course, He's also got a brother who's a little familiar with the quarterback position, uh, Press Taylor, uh, who also, for those of us here in Huntington, we know he was at Marshall University. So uh, any hope that maybe his brother joins him on the staff anytime in the future? Did that come up? Well, it came up with the dad. We were talking with the dad, and uh, right now, no. They want to keep this separate. You know, uh, 
Express has a good situation in Philadelphia. He likes what he's doing up there. The team likes him. Uh, his family likes it up there. So they're pretty comfortable. So I think anything like that that would happen would be somewhere down the line because um, they they both are in a good place right now, and you just don't want to upset the apple cart, so to speak. It'd be fun, though. I mean, I got I get, I get my Marshall connection there if, if that happens, just be, just because. Uh, you know, he, right. He was, well, I, I don't know if I want my brother or my coaching staff. You know, some people say it's good to have your brother, but, you know, my brother might try to tell me what to do. And next thing you know, we're in the, out on the field grappling or something. So I think maybe he just looks at it like, hey, man, my brother's happy. I'm in a new situation. The dad was very happy because he said, now I don't have to fly from Philadelphia to Los Angeles and back, you know, he can simply go from Cincinnati to Philadelphia, which is a much shorter plane ride uh, than doing the coast to coast thing. Yeah, that's great on travel as well. And uh, I haven't seen your brother, but uh, I'm, I'm going to say you take him unless uh, unless he's bigger. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, my brother's a bully, man. But he, he can't hear this, though. I can say what I want. <laughs> Wayne Boxmuller, our <laughs> guest on the drive here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. So coaching staff, uh, press Taylor aside, not coming on the coaching staff. How do you feel about the coaching staff, how it's coming together so far? I know defensive coordinator is going to be a priority. At the same time, it, it sounds like they're not just going to make a, a, a snap hire to fill that position. Well, you know, we uh, asked him about that, obviously, and who we had in mind for a defensive coordinator and what kind of scheme and you know, what he wants to do, as he said, is try to find the best fit to uh, support the culture that he wants um, for this team and this franchise. A lot of names were thrown out. Jack Del Rio, I think, was, but is no longer. There's Dom Capers' name was floated about. I think that most people um, expect him to bring in a very experienced defensive coordinator kind of in the Rams mode of McVay being the uh, Boy Wonder and Wade Phillips being the old Wiley veteran, which is a good balance. But uh, I think, again, we'll have to wait. I think some of the coaches that were retained by the Bengals, a couple of them were there today. But uh, as far as the defensive coordinator, offensive line coach, and some of those other running back coach and things of that nature, he hopes to start putting pieces in place this week. And I think he wants to get that done because you've got to know who you've got as far as coaches, and then those coaches have to evaluate the players that they want to keep, especially those that are in a free agency period. Wayne Boxmiller is our guest from the Bengals Radio Network. So everything seems so positive so far. It feels like he won the press conference. Uh, I know Andy seemed like he was happy when he met him. So your quarterback's happy. You're on a good start. What's the temperature of the room as far as maybe some of the players? Have you had any talk with them? Fans, of course, uh, they seem excited. Is, is that pretty much uh, the majority of the fans excited, ready to go? Yeah, you know, I think some of the players that have, have uh, chimed in, A.J. Green, I think a couple others are very excited about the possibility of opening up the playbook. And I think when you look at an A.J. Green uh, who's getting into the uh, latter half of his career, um, you know, these are the, these are the years now that he wants to maximize his talent and opportunity, and showcase all of the skills that made him the perennial Pro Bowler that he is. I think when you look at Tyler Boyd's breakout year, and then again, I think a lot of people are excited about him fully utilizing John Ross. Um, 
one of the things I think I always remind people, this pretty much was John Ross's rookie year because he didn't play his rookie year. And if you look at the end of the season, I mean, his uh, touchdown to catch ratio was just phenomenal. I think he had like 16 catches and six touchdowns or seven touchdowns, but he has the ability in a short space to make a quick move and then reverse quick move. It's hard for anybody to stay with him. So I would imagine John Ross is probably as excited as anybody um, to know that this wide open offense is coming where they like to spread the field and uh, really create some matchups that will give Andy Dalton a chance to utilize all his weapons. Wayne Box Miller, our guest from the Bengals Radio Network. That's what excites me as well because the weapons are there, and I know the fans have been just waiting for something to happen because you've got that potential with A.J. Green. You've got the running game pretty much nailed down. Andy, I think despite all the hardship, had probably one of his better seasons as, as a quarterback. So I'm waiting for just that explosion and also, you know, for fantasy football so I can draft Andy Dalton again, right? Right? <laughs> yeah, you know, I think the the bigger thing is um, what's going to happen on the defense side of the ball. I, and I don't want to say something's automatic. I, I think there's the assumption and the foregone belief that the offense is really going to be a little bit more improved. It's going to be a little bit more wide open. But, you know, you also – as uh, the Rams have proven and the New England Patriots have proven from this last Super Bowl, you have to have a defense that can stop people from doing those kinds of things as well. So, you know, one of the things I think the Rams don't get credit for is they've got one heck of a defense. I mean, not just with Aaron Donald and Dominican Sue, but they got uh, Fowler from Jacksonville. They have Aqib Tlaib, who's, a, you know, a Pro Bowl shutdown corner. I mean, they've got some players on defense, and you look at that game in the Super Bowl, how they struggled, the Patriots, trying to get to the end zone, which they only got in the red zone once. So their defense had a lot to do with giving their offense the ball, uh, giving them multiple chances to score, and giving them great field position. So I'm sure that Zach is looking at someone who can come in here and create a similar type of defense and he's got some players on that side of the ball as well that he can leverage to create the kind of defense that they need to be successful. Wayne Box Miller, our guest from the Bengals Radio Network. Now, with this hire, even though he's not the youngest football coach out there, Zach's a pretty young guy. He's not as young, say, as Dave Shula was when he was hired by the franchise years and years ago. Sure. Is, sure. is this a situation where you're confident now – that you can hire a young guy, he's got the pedigree, he comes from a football family. Shula came from a football family as well, but Taylor's a little older. The Bengals have gone through this before with a young coach. Do you feel that they are doing everything they possibly can to make sure they surround Zach with everything he needs and put him in a position to succeed? Because I kind of felt maybe sometimes uh, Shula – to his credit, I mean, he, he tried, he worked hard, but maybe he was just not ready for that position. You feel that Zach is ready for this position, ready to go? Yeah, I think you make a great point. I think that they're both young, but I think that Zach Taylor um, playing quarterback, playing in a very competitive conference where you've got Texas and Oklahoma and, and these kind of schools, and then um, his father-in-law being a football guy, his dad coached with Barry Switzer. Um, 
he's got a lot more football pedigree than Don, uh, Dave Shula had. I think secondly, his understanding of football, and this is no knock against Dave Shula. I think Dave, uh, uh, his brother obviously has been very successful in the game of football, but I think Dave was not at a point maturity-wise or awareness-wise that Zach Taylor is. And finally, I think that if you look at the trends in the NFL, um, people aren't scared to go with younger coaches or inexperienced coaches. Doug Peterson, coach of the Eagles, won a Super Bowl against Bill Belichick. And I mean, you're, you know, nobody really thought that that was going to happen because of his inexperience. Uh, Mike Brown even indicated when his dad uh, became a head coach, he was in his 30s. So I think age, you know, has its place in terms of whether it's a valid argument or not. But I think when you look at uh, what he's done in the game of football, Zach Taylor, uh, where he's been, you know, Miami interim offensive coordinator, UC offensive coordinator, quarterback coach. I mean, he's really, really cut his teeth on the offensive side of the ball and around a lot of people. So, you know, having all of that plus the experience at the helm as quarterback uh, should serve him well. But if you spend time with him, and again, spending time with a guy doesn't equate to wins, but I can tell you one thing. If you sit and talk to this guy for a few minutes, you get a level of comfort that he has a handle on what's ahead of him. So I can go ahead, book my tickets, Hard Rock Stadium, February 2nd, 2020. I can book those tickets now? (laughs) I'd say get them anyway. I mean, you know, you just never know in this game of football. I mean, the question becomes, three years ago, did anybody think the Rams would be in the Super Bowl? I'd probably say maybe a handful of people, and they were all wearing Rams uniforms. But, you know, this game of football is funny, man. As we saw last year, unfortunately for that team, Murphy's Law was very evident and prevalent. Uh, Every week it looks like a starter was going down or a quality reserve was going down. And this year, maybe the pendulum swings the other way and everybody stays healthy and – they're able to keep their best players on the field for 16 games or at least 14 of 16 games. And uh, it could, it could be a different outcome and it could be the one that the fans, the ownership, we all want to see. And that's this team getting back in the playoffs. Looking forward to it. Uh, when do we start? When's, when's our preseason broadcast begin? Let's get this going. It'll be August. I don't have the actual <laughs> date yet. They've got some of the matchups in terms of, the teams will be playing, but I don't think they've finalized the dates yet. But, I, you know, trust me, I can tell you the first preseason game is going to have a lot of coverage, a lot of scrutiny, and, you know, uh, it, it should be fun. I mean, I think what happened today was kind of a solemn moment in one respect where we officially closed the chapter on the Marvin Lewis era. But I think the optimistic side was we officially – uh, opened up the book of Zach, and um, you know, hopefully, it'll be good reading. Wayne, it's always good to talk to you. Thanks for doing this again, and uh, we'll catch up with you closer to uh, the start of the season, man. I appreciate it. Hey, anytime, man. Anytime. Hello to everybody over there in West Virginia, man. A lot of good people in that neck of the woods. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Wayne Box Miller, you hear him on Cincinnati Bengals broadcast, and of course, uh, does a fantastic job. Always glad to have him on the program. We're going to take our next break, come back. Uh, we'll get your phone calls in. It's The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. 
You're listening to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. You know, I was kind of looking over the history of coaching for the Cincinnati Bengals, and this made me feel old as I was looking at it. Paul Brown became the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals in 1968. That's sort of when the Bengals also became a thing. Of course, this was Paul Brown's team. So he takes over. The old man's the coach, 1968 to 1975. And I wasn't alive in 68, but I was alive during his tenure. And that included, of course, uh, an induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, two AFC Central Championships. I uh, was not born for the one in 1970. I uh, was around for the one in 73. Three playoff berths, two UPI NFL Coach of the Year awards. And that was in 69 and 70. UPI, that's like the AP for old people. Then Bill Johnson takes over in 1976. He's there for two years, does not get into the playoffs at all, and he has a record of 18 and 15. 545 win percentage. Not bad, but no postseason there. And then Homer Rice takes over for three years from 1978 to 79. And he coached in 27 games, and he had a record of 8-19. and 19. I'm sorry. I know I'm sounding like Woody Woodrum with all the n- digits. Woody would be proud of me with all this digit dropping. So, Homer Rice, no playoff appearances. Can't have that. You know what? we got to pull the trigger here in Cincinnati. Forrest Gregg takes over, and they were four glorious years. From 1980 to 1983, he coached in 57 games. He had a record of 32-25. and 25. He had four playoff games. And he won two and lost two. And that's saying something. Because Paul Brown got into the playoffs and lost three. He played in three, or coached in three, coached in three, lost all three. But then again, this is Paul Brown, Hall of Fame coach. Uh, He was just getting the franchise going. But Forrest Gregg comes in. He's in four games. He's two and two. And that includes, of course, um, a season in which you win the AFC Championship. Uh, so two playoff berths, one AFC Championship, uh, one AFC Central Championship in 81, uh, one UPI NFL Coach of the Year Award in 81. And all is well, right? After that, Sam Weich takes over, one of my favorite coaches of all time. And his record is a win percentage of 480 with the Bengals, but that's okay. Because he was there from 84 to 91, coached in 121 games. He won 61, lost 66, but he also played, again, he coached in five playoff games, won three, lost two, and that includes one AFC championship in 88, two AFC Central championships in 88 and 90. So two playoff berths, five games total. Oh, by the way, uh, Super Bowl. Didn't win it, but the Bengals were there. In the 80s and early 90s, okay, they were there. They were fine. They were competitive. And then Dave Shula, from 92 to 96, 71 games, of which he only won 19, lost 52. And then Bruce Coslett, he came in, and I met Bruce uh, one year. He was a nice guy. 60 games, Coach, 21-39. and 39. Again, no playoff, nothing. Then Dick LeBeau comes in. And, again, I met Dick LeBeau as well. Nice guy. He knows football. And he coached 45 games, and he went 12-33. and 33. 
no playoffs, nothing. And then Marvin comes in. Marvin comes in in 2003. He's there for 16 seasons. From 2003 to 2018, he coached in a total of 256 games. He has a win percentage of 518. He won 131. He lost 122 and three ties. Oh, yeah, Paul Brown had a tie, too. I'm sorry, I forgot that. So three ties, 122 losses, 131 wins, seven playoff appearances, and seven losses. But that includes four AFC North championships in 2005, 2009, 2013, and 2015, one AP NFL Coach of the Year award in 2009. There was some success. There was some success a few years after he started. There was some success in the middle portion. There was some success a few years ago. There was some success. It just couldn't maintain itself. And for whatever reason, Marvin couldn't get him over that hump. I mean, after a while, you make the playoffs, that's great, but you're in there seven times and you lose all seven. I mean, at least Sam White won games. Forrest Gregg won games in the playoffs. Paul Brown, he only got him there three times, lost all three. But again, he was setting this franchise up. This was an expansion franchise at that point. Hello, welcome to Professional Football Cincinnati. Glad to have you back here, and we've got a new team for you. And so he got it going, and then when Forrest Gregg got there, it really started cooking because, again, they got to the AFC Championship, won it, and they hadn't done that in their limited history from 68 to, to 79, 80. They, they hadn't done that. As far as the Super Bowl. Now, again, um, you get to two AFC Central Championships in 70 and 73. You get to three playoff berths. You don't get to the Super Bowl. But with Forrest Gregg, you do. And with Sam White, you do. And let me tell you, as a kid growing up in the 80s, man, my life was good. Because, again, between 1980 and 1991... The Bengals made the playoffs four times. That was good. That's good. They got to the Super Bowl twice. All good. I'm a Bengals fan. I'm having life. It's good. And then Shula. Shula comes in. And, um, well, you see where we're at. So Zach's the new coach, Zach Taylor. I'm excited for him. The Cincinnati Bengals hopefully will find some prosperity there. If not, um, I'm here for you. We're therapy. We take care of each other. Thundering Herds in action coming up this week as well. Uh, Thursday is going to be basketball day. The women are taking on the University of North Texas at the Henderson Center. Six o'clock is going to be tip time. If you've got nothing to do, go support the ladies. They're playing hard. They're winning. They're playing exciting basketball. And they go to overtime a lot. And I know you, as far as uh, some of you, uh, you'll leave. Go watch the game. Enjoy it. Uh, if you're not going to the game, you've got the men's action, 830, I'm sorry, 8 o'clock tip at North Texas, and we'll have that game for you right here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. And then on Friday, softball's beginning to take the field. 
taking on the University of California, Riverside. Women's tennis will be taking on Louisville. Uh, softball also will take on University of San Diego. And, of course, you want to follow along there, go to HerdZone.com. You want to follow all that action there. And then on Saturday, we've got basketball once again. It'll be the women taking on Rice at noon. Softball taking on Cal Poly. Again, you can follow that on HerdZone.com. The men will take on Rice, 8 o'clock tip. We'll have that for you here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. And then softball, 10 p.m. You can follow that on the website over at HerdZone.com. So lots of Herd sports for you the next few days. And, of course, tomorrow's signing day. Hopefully we'll have some remarks from Doc Holliday tomorrow. As tomorrow's signing day across the Tri-State as well, uh, we'll find out where everyone is going. Lots of interest when it comes to signing day locally. And, of course, with the thundering herd. So football takes over tomorrow. You thought football was over. No, football's not over. It'll be over when Doc Holliday says it's over. And it's not over. And he's not going to say that. So we've got signing day tomorrow. We'll find out where these kids are going and who's coming to play for the Thundering Herd. I know there's some um, availability left, some some spots open. And then once they report to campus and they're on the squad, I'll start talking more about them. That's my rule. I'll talk about them when they're on campus, enrolled in classes, on the football field. Until then, you get tomorrow, and that's it. That's it. When they're in a herd uniform on the field and I can see them participating, then we'll start talking about them. I know, I know. You want to talk about them now. It's not that I don't. And tomorrow's fine. Tomorrow's not like Christmas for me. Tomorrow's not like Christmas for me the way it is for some, and I'm just going to own that because, yeah, that's great. you got all these kids that are coming in, and I'm excited for them, and I'm excited for the teams, and there's a lot of potential when you sign these kids, but you don't know. This is like you're playing the lottery sometimes, and other times you're playing Russian roulette. You just don't know what you're getting until these kids are on campus, enrolled, working in your system, working with your coaches, and you find out, okay, what do we really have? Really, once you get them on campus, that's when Christmas begins, so you get to open your packages. You get to open your presents and go, okay, great. Hey, I got a new Xbox. Oh, look, I got socks. New Xbox? Socks. That's going to do it for this edition of the program. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you had some fun today. I'm your host, Paul Swan. This has been The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Good night, everyone. Station.